presence. And I don't know why it feels like it's been forever since I've seen you guys. But I just want to thank God for having, it, having his hand on his people. Amen. It's good to be in church this morning.
pray for the offering this morning. Oh, I am the shepherd. Oh. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There is going to be no uh, adolescent class this morning. Our sister Marquita not here this morning. There's several of them that are, uh, I guess, trying to be safe and, and stay in quarantine a few more days. That's the reason why they're not here. That's why we don't see the Blaney family and some of the others that aren't here. Obviously because it's certain afflictions and stuff, so keep them in prayer. Uh, with that being said, the younger class can go out. But... Amen. Few of those. <laughs> I have been uh, praying about the schedule change on Sundays, and I have an idea what I want to do. I'm just going to figure out uh, as far as the, the, the starting time in the morning, because what we're going to do is we're going to combine, uh, we're going to probably go for a shorter Sunday school class. We're going to probably not have it as long as we usually have it. Uh, by the time we get out of here, it's usually an hour and a half after after worship that we have Sunday school. But I, we're going to uh, knock the time down for Sunday school to 45 minutes. And then we're going to take a 15-minute break. And then after that, come back into our regular worship, so our regular uh, evangelistic service. So uh, just trying to determine the, the time because we're going to be here for however many hours. Uh, usually, regular service, we're here anywhere from three to four hours, sometimes four and a half hours. So we're just going to kind of try to keep it within that time frame as far as Sunday school and our evangelistic service. That way all the folks that are coming from Wagner can still attend and be here. And we can be here and have Sunday school and have evangelistic service, have church and get out at a reasonable time. Because I know everybody has to, all the school kids and everybody that has a job they have to go to so I will be announcing that probably uh, probably the last we probably won't start that schedule actually until the first part of October so once I determine the start time I will make that announcement uh, we will not be here Wednesday as well as Brother 
Dan and Sister Dina will be down in uh, Chautauqua, Kansas for Brother Wethy's uh, Rush Harbor service. Uh, Brother Aaron will be taking care of things Wednesday and then Sunday, Brother Aaron and Brother Dan will be having the Sunday services next weekend. So be advised of that. Uh, still haven't really uh, uh, set up a schedule as far as the two young preachers I was telling you about. Um, uh, I may probably get an idea as far as Brother uh, Gabriel Reynolds this weekend. Uh, hopefully have some, uh, this coming week, have, have some idea when he'll be able to make it. But, uh, and as far as uh, Brother Timothy Longshore, that's still kind of uh, tentative as far as the dates coming up in October. It might even be later than that. So those are the announcements. Um, Brother Craig and Sister Taryn will be moving back up here after this month. I think this, probably by the 1st of October, they'll be back here in the state of South Dakota. So pray for them, they're moving. And uh, Brother Chuck uh, was telling me about certain things going on up there in, in Manitoba, uh, some fellowships that we know, that we have been, uh, that we know. And uh, pray for them up there in, in um, uh, on the Dakota Plains Reserve and on uh, the Camperville, uh, on Camperville, it's a reserve up there, but pray for them up there. Uh, we've known these people since the 80s and uh, actually uh, we baptized quite a few of them in Jesus' name and some received the Holy Ghost, so we're pretty familiar with those people up there. And uh, they just need, uh, there, there's some things going on up there that they just need to be able to stand their ground as far as doctrine is concerned. There's been a lot of changes up there in that area as far as the fellowship. So pray for them because that's one thing that they're facing right now. And I know it's a, something that is of a great concern. So pray for those people up there. Uh, Brother Kelly Smoke, Brother uh, Wilbur Paget, and Brother Brian Zong are the ones. Uh, had a sister recently pass away from up there in that area, actually from uh, Camperville. Uh, I know her pastor, Brother, Brother David Beardy, and of course, Brother Charles Beardy, who was a part of the uh, Wide World of Faith in Winnipeg from, from that particular reserve. Uh, Sister Linda Beardy passed away this past week. They had a funeral, and uh, yeah, I, did, I do believe they did have a funeral yesterday. And so, but uh, precious saint of God. Uh, Brother Chuck told me what was said at her funeral and I'm, uh, at one of the services, not the funeral service, but eulogy that was read, and I was just blown away, amen, by what, you know, they shared about her, of course, her stand for God, that's pretty amazing, so pray for these folks, because they're going through a lot up there, and pray for Brother Javier, he's in Mexico right now, and, uh, I know he will be coming back. Yeah, I don't know when he'll be coming back up here, but he will be coming back probably whenever they finish the job down there. So uh, pray for him, Brother Javier. Amen. I think that's all the announcements I have so far. We shall resume what we started out with last Sunday, and I think we left off, and in, 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 in of course we started out with what we were discussing, and and just to kind of step back just for just a few moments uh, go with me to the book of uh, Luke 
and uh, where we started off in chapter one there in the book of, in the book of Luke. Hallelujah. The Bible is a pretty accurate history book. And uh, here we read here again his uh, introduction here in, in the book of Luke. And he says in verse number one, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. What we believe. Even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. <clears throat> never really, uh, never really, uh, I guess, took time to elaborate on what he's saying here, especially in, in verse number two, what he talks about um, them who delivered them unto us. He's talking about the, the witness or the accounts obviously of the life and ministry of Jesus. That's what they're all talking about in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and of course all the other New Testament uh, uh, writings and the epistles, the Pauline epistles, and of course the general epistles. And you see that, of course, uh, when he's making ref reference here, um, it's really interesting. I mean, I'm, I wish we could somehow break it down and we can... <clears throat> take a look at, you know, because the Bible itself is a history book, as I mentioned earlier, and we can kind of go across and we can cross-reference cross reference certain uh, uh, as far as revelation and doctrine and doctrine and everything and, and even, uh, even to some extent understanding the time and all of this and what happened, of course, uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but, you know, some do, some don't but uh, studying the book of Acts, you get to find out the, the historical significance of you know, what you and I believe, and I'm glad it's there because a lot of people never pay that close attention to the book of Acts other than just to study certain people like the Apostle Paul, certain other, other people that are engaged in, in what was happening as far as the, the uh, fulfilling the commission, and, but they never really pay attention to what they said and what they had done. And, and so that's why it's really important for us. So he says, even as they delivered un them unto us, which were from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. So obviously they all were there. They were all a part of this. They all experienced it. They seen it. They heard it. They witnessed it. And, and the thing about it is, and it's, this is, this is basically contrary to what, and I say it in a sense, the, the Christian beliefs because <laughs> when we talk about Christian beliefs and you throw in there's a lot of words that come along with it there's a lot of words that you know we talk about not just beliefs but we talk about faith uh, the word doctrine and of course uh, you know what, what people want to refer to as doctrine and and uh, their, every person's belief as far as salvation, what that entails. Uh, the word dogma comes into mind. I mean, there's so many of it. And, and different beliefs concerning Christianity. 
different beliefs concerning Christianity. Now, how contrary is that? <laughs> you cannot believe in the Lord. You can't believe in Jesus and all have different beliefs. Amen. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm trying to bring out here. So when you study... When you study this and what he's saying here, obviously he's, for whatever reason, he's taking it upon himself to say that, hey, and of course, he mentions other people that have uh, expressed and, and given their account, other writers. And obviously, I, I believe he's referring to the other apostles, the other witnesses, because look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at the apostle Paul. Look at the apostle Peter. Look at James, Jude. Look at all them who took it upon themselves to record, to write to the churches and record everything. And, and here's the thing about it. Not one of them disagrees. Right. Amen. They all agree. And they don't have different uh, opinions as far as salvation. Right. They don't have different opinions as far as salvation. We understand that in when you read that, so there's obviously, and, and any person who is sincerely a God, is a theologian, a God, a person that really loves God, any person that takes it upon themselves to want to uh, try to understand what it is, I mean, and, and uh, finding the truth, being led to the truth, because there's only... One truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right. Makes, that, makes that statement there in the book of John. But uh, <clears throat> when, we, when we think about this and everything that's said and everything that was uh, recorded, written, it's obviously you, you get the sense that all of them were speaking about the same person. All of them understood who he was. All of them understood what he came to do, and all of them understood what it was to to understand what salvation was. There was no disagreement. There was no disagreement there. They all agreed in what it was to be saved, or how a person can become saved. So I, I think that's our example. That's our example. We go back into history. That's our example. We have to pay attention to what they, amen, have spoken and they have recorded. Not to modern day uh, theologians who like to make commentaries. And who haven't even uh, obeyed the word of God concerning salvation. Because how can you understand all the other, and somebody made a reference of that, the, the mysteries and the riches of God's knowledge. How could you even understand it? If you haven't first started off in the place that you need to start off on. Amen. Right. That's right. Is everybody Amen. getting my drift? Amen. Okay. Exactly. Try to stay awake, some of you. Exactly. Yes. Amen. Some of you are dozing off. Yep. Wake up. Amen. Amen. So uh, to, to me, this is important because you see that. And the reason why I say that is, <clears throat> look, look what Jude says in Jude verse number three. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend 
for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Wow. So Jude is in. This is, this is the Lord's half-brother, Jude, telling us that we should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. So if, if we're going to somehow um, get our <clears throat> understanding and, and our knowledge and our faith from the Word of God, we need to pay attention to what they're saying because obviously what they're saying is truth. And we need to... Amen. Always make sure that that we are following it. So there's 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 one salvation, just one. He referred to it as the common salvation. There's just one way, and and we're not trying to you know. We're not trying to uh, praise God, uh, cast any judgment upon anybody, because <laughs> very evident when you read the Word of God, it's very evident what it says. Says so we're paying attention to that. So he brings that out. It seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order most excellent Theophilus. Okay? And so uh, as he says that, uh, that thou may, might, mightest know the certainty of these things, of those things and wherein thou hast been instructed. So going back, going back, going back. And even to understand this age. Yes. Amen. That's right. Amen. To Amen. understand. Right. Remember, uh, when, when, when you understand as far as the dispensations of time, and obviously, I shared that just momentarily. I'm, I'm, I feel like I need to do this, so, so I, I'm going I'm to do it just so you understand. I'm not just saying it for you that are here. Maybe some of you don't perfectly understand, but, I'm, but people that are listening to our podcast so that they can understand this because a lot of times they never realize this. From the time that the church was born on the day of Pentecost, now, as far as that is concerned, 33, 34 A.D., if Jesus lived to be 33 and a half years old, if he began his ministry at 30 years old, which was the Jewish tradition for anybody that uh, ministered in the temple, if he began his ministry at 33, 30 years old, that meant, meant, meant he ministered for 33 and a half years up until the time of his crucifixion. 33 and a half years. So obviously, if that took place, and of course there's you know discrepancy as far as the year he was born. Some say he was born, uh, uh, right, uh, right before, uh, before it came known as far as A.D., the year of our Lord. Some say it was five, five, and then some say it was right at zero. His birth actually changed time. So there's certain, uh, amen, there's certain opinions concerning that. So if we want to be, if we want to apply that, we want to say, let's say if he was born right at zero, then obviously his crucifixion took place uh, 33, 34 A.D. 
So we can safely say that the church was born in the year 34 AD, give or take maybe six months to a year. Right. Uh, that, I think that can be applied safely to determine that. So think about that. The church was born. If you want to know the birth date of the church, you can look at it in the book of Acts. <clears throat> the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. So that day had to come when the day of Pentecost came because that was going to be the outpouring of the Holy Ghost upon those 120 believers in the upper room. And later on that day, through the course of the day, 3,000 more souls. Wow. <clears throat> the birthday of the church. Praise God. So, so we can go back. And, uh, now let me tell you something. That was the New Testament church. Right. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. You understand Amen. that? Amen. Yes. I want all of you to really yes. become Amen. some very knowledgeable theologians. Yes. Amen. That was that was the beginning. That was the birthday of the church. That was the New Testament church. Amen. New Testament church. The the New Testament church, the original church. Amen. Why is that important for us to understand? Because obviously the Lord gave certain instructions concerning uh, all those who were going to be a part of the New Testament church and how they were to be able to reach that point of understanding what it was, amen, to be in the New Testament church, to be born again. And it's not as simply as Putting your name down upon a church roll. Right. That's right. Or what you what you want to believe. Yes, that does not matter. Alright. I'm saying that because obviously before I came to the truth, I was a part of a denominational church. Right. <clears throat> I never really understood fully about you know a lot of things they were teaching us, never really went into deep uh, uh, research or anything, just satisfied with what we've been taught, just took their word for it. Right. Yes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Come to find out it wasn't even pertaining to the Bible. Nope. Amen. And we all, anybody that's in denominationalism, Amen. you're going to find that out. Yes. Listen to me. Listen to the what yes. I'm saying. You're going to find that out. And if you have a heart to really want to know God, you're going to want to search these things out. Yes. Okay, so these are just certain things. So when we talk about it in that sense, now, this is how we establish. This is how we establish and understand about the dispensation of grace, or as some refer to it, the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. Remember what a dispensation was. To understand the relationship that God has had with men since the creation. Remember the relationship. He's always somehow been wanting to reach out to man to have a relationship with man. Right. Amen. Right. We all know what that's like, don't Amen. we? Right. We all pursue relationships. We're all in a relationship right now. Amen. Amen. So we know what that means. To be able to obviously come to know somebody so that person can be your companion your friend huh? Amen. or even more than that right. your husband Amen. your wife Amen. that's the only things contained in a relationship by the right. way 
So, uh, so that, and so he had because of that in that in that respect, we need to understand how he, Amen, basically prescribed and and basically uh, laid down the uh, how, how would I say it. Uh, if I want to say it, the obligations or uh, the consequences. That's not the word I'm looking for. I'm just trying to find it. We need to understand the nature of that relationship and how it progressed throughout certain periods of time. There were certain commandments given to man to follow and there were repercussions that followed as a result of man's failure to follow those commandments. So God always gave out certain commandments concerning a certain dispensation of time. And once man failed that, guess what? There was always judgment because of that. So that dispensation came to an end. Ultimatums. That's what I was thinking of. Ultimatums are agreements, contracts. Amen. We know what that's like, don't we? We have it in our relationships, in our marriages, <laughs> in our friendships. We're reminded. Guess what? And it's always reciprocal, isn't it? Yes. It's not just one way. It's reciprocal. Right. Yes. Always has to be an agreement. <clears throat> but I'm saying this. We need to understand it. To understand that, how God dealt with man, we need to understand how God has been dealing with mankind since the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Right. The dispensation of grace or the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And as I said before, the judgment of grace is, is what? I know some of you said the rapture last week, but the rapture is what's going to take the church out of here. The judgment of grace is, is what? Is when he's going to come and judge the world. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Things are going to happen. Sure. Praise God. So we understand that. So if that's if that's what if that's what is taught, we need to understand since that beginning of the dispensation of grace, the dispensation of the Holy Ghost, guess what? We're still in that dispensation, aren't we? Right? So because we're still in that dispensation, nothing has changed concerning the instructions given at the beginning of the dispensation. So in other words, we have to adhere to what God basically commanded his disciples. Even though it was some almost some we're twelve years basically shy of it being two thousand. Right. Fact. <laughs> but 2022, the Holy Ghost was poured out, say, let's say 34 AD. So 20, 22 from 34 is what, Sierra? 12. So 12 years before it becomes 2000. So if, if that's the case, and what some people, when they study prophecy, they say when they figured out the dimensions of the, the temple, 2000. 
And they come up with 20 times 20, 2,000. So they're saying 2,000 a year of grace. Nobody can put a number on grace. Right. But if that's the case, if they want to believe that 2,000, but here's the thing. If they want to believe that, in a sense, they believe that that's the age of grace, why is it they think that, amen, the requirements to be saved are changed? Right. That's right. Wow. Amen. That's something that, that's something that, when we study, you know, know, people might, people don't want to get into this part of the understanding the word of God, but let me tell you something. To know, to be able to understand truth, to understand what it is, and how to be saved, guess what? We need to realize and understand. That's the reason why we're doing this. Amen. That's the reason why we're taking the time, Amen. praise God, to do this. So we see that. Okay, now let's go back up to where we were. Now we, we, we talked about how the Lord spoke to them and said that, you know, that repentance and remission is sins. You know, the Great Commission... Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. By the way, how many of you can tell me where the Great Commission is in the book of John? <laughs> where, where is it in the where, where is it in the book of Matthew? Somebody throw somebody throw that scripture. Where is it in the book of Matthew? Matthew twenty eight nineteen. Where is it in the book of Mark? Where is it in the book of Mark? Mark sixteen. Does everybody agree with that? Yeah. Okay. Where is it? Where is it in the book of Luke? Twenty-four forty-seven. Okay. Now here's my next question. Where is it in the book of John? Where is it in the book of John? <laughs> Ooh. I love this. <laughs> mm, no, it's past that. No, it's past that. Any of you Bible scholars, any of you theologians, where is it? The Great Commission, because there is a Great Commission in the book of John. Of course, look, it's so simple. It's so simple. John chapter 3. Okay. John chapter 3, and, and even there's kind of a, a a confirmation of that in John chapter 20, did you know that? You read, you read there and, and, uh, and you start, you know, right, right around verse 19, but you read there, read there in verse 21, it says, then Jesus, then said Jesus to them, again, peace be unto you as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Now, now, here's something. Look what he says here in 21, because this is the basis. This is the basis where we get the word apostolic from. In that word where he refers that I am going to send. 
So you're a set. You're a person that is sent. So that's where the word apostolic basically comes from. <coughs> because you're sent. Look it up. I, I, I Look it up for yourselves and find out for yourselves. That's where we get the word. That's where the word apostolic is derived from. Because we're sent. Alright? And so, then he says this. Uh, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. So how can that happen unless they understood in order for that to be fulfilled, they have to repent, they have to be baptized in Jesus' name. So there is a confirmation of that. So that's interesting, isn't it? So in other words, uh, you know, that all leads us up to where we were studying in the book of Acts and what happened, of course, on the day of Pentecost, when those 120 believers were filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. We all read that. Of course, we see the, as, as they want to say uh, scientifically, scientifically, Everybody paying attention? Amen. Scientifically. There's a correlation. Oh, that's a fancy word. Psychology, if you wanted to study something out, you want to study a certain pattern of life or an event. A correlation. They have to be linked. So they always said correlation. A correlation. Have to be related to that. So you'd use that as an example to try to tie that to whatever the the reaction was or whatever the behavior was. You could go back and you could tie it to whatever that event was or whatever took place. Correlation. Well, if we want to approach it scientifically, you read the book of Acts chapter 2. There's a correlation from the book of Acts chapter 2 to, to John chapter 3, verse 7. Huh? Suddenly there came in a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. And Jesus said that the wind blows where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So in other words, the correlation, why? He's using the word wind. So in other words, the born-again experience is always going to be a sign like that of a rushing mighty wind. In other words, the Holy Ghost is going to blow in here. Right. Amen. And the Holy Ghost is going to blow out of here. Right. Amen. That's what they... That's why people are uncomfortable when they come to church. Yes. Amen. Right. That's right. Holy Ghost is blowing around in here. Yes. Amen. Something they've never experienced before. Right. Amen. Spirit of God is breathing. So <clears throat> that's why it's really important for us. So, so they took this gospel and they obviously, what Jesus spoke to them, he said, you're going to go out into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, 
and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So you see how it began. It began in Jerusalem first. Almost 2,000 years ago. Just think about that. That's how, that's the age of the church. Woo! Amen. Amen. That's the church I belong to. Amen. That's right. That's right. I always love using that when somebody says, when did your, I never heard that before, the apostolic church. When did your church begin? I said, well, on the day of Pentecost, 34 AD. Right. Amen. 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 That's right. I know when your church began, oh, you do, yes. When? 325 AD. Right. Amen. So I have preeminence. Yes. Yes. I'm part of the original. Yes. Amen. <clears throat> I go to the same church the Apostle Paul went to. Yes. Huh? Amen. That's right. Amen. That's I go to the same church Peter went to, John yeah. went to. Amen. Praise God. I'm Amen. a part of that church. Yeah. Amen. Experience the same born again experience. Yes. Just like that. You know, it would be, would be nice to have been there on the day of Pentecost, isn't it? Oh. I can only imagine. I remember one time we first got the building in White River. And I was fasting. I went on a, a like a three-day fast. And I decided to end my fast. I was going to be at the church praying. And I was in it by myself. Evening time. Really late. And uh, there I was. And... and that, that was the old theater, so when you walked in it, you could dim the lights and make them bright. <laughs> we left those lights up around the site. You could dim those lights, be dim in there, and you can make them bright. So I had those lights dim, but I was down there in the front praying at the altar. All of a sudden, I, I felt a, a, a rush of wind coming in, and I was thinking, my mind, and when it did, it came in, and I heard it. And you know when wind blows against something, you can kind of feel it? Well, here's the thing. <clears throat> Did you realize this? When wind blows into a certain area, and if it's into a certain room, because wind is the movement of air, uh, there's going to be, uh, how, how would I say, it? The, the, the pressure in the room is going to change. Because obviously because of, of air moving, the pressure is going to change. So because the pressure changes, guess what happens? You hear that? Creaking, you know, you know what creaking means. You can, you can hear it when you open up. You open a a, a a door, going to outside, and that air comes in, and you can guess what? Your blinds, your curtains, everything kind of that pressure, that pressure, that force of that wind coming in, it just moves everything. So you can hear, it. you can hear whatever sound it makes. That's the way it was in that church, and I felt that come in, and I tell you what, and I heard the the ceiling, the the trusses in the ceiling. Just kind of like creaking and stuff. I said, ooh, boy. Ooh. Right away, I got goosebumps going up and down my spine. I was thinking, oh, man, Lord. First thing, though, we're all human. Yeah. You know what I did? I bet you I forgot to close the door. So I got up and I went to the front door. I opened it up. Guess what? It was closed. Right. Amen. Ooh. I, I, when I was walking down there back to the altar, guess what? I had... My legs were wobbly. Because I knew something happened. 
But here's the thing. Then I began to realize, hey, doesn't the Bible talk about this? Isn't that how the Holy Ghost moves? It's like a rushing mighty wind. And it blew into the upper room there. That was their experience. Because could you imagine what that was like? And everybody's sitting there. And all of a sudden, here comes this rush of wind. Whoosh. I was watching a video on people that, uh, uh, nature, and there was this place, in, and I think it was in uh, up north in Alaska, <clears throat> but uh, the indigenous people, I can't remember their uh, the name of the Eskimo tribes, but man, there was this gust of wind coming off the, the sea up there, really strong wind, and here were some of these people standing up there along the shoreline, and they had to literally lean into that wind. I mean, it was just that wind just was trying to blow them back, but as you can tell, there was a strong force, a gale of wind that was there, and there they were just, and they were leaning like this, and to me, you know, if you're leaning like that, guess what's going to happen? Boom! But here's that gust of wind, and they were just leaning, they were just standing there at the angle, but amen, you couldn't, you couldn't see the wind as far as that was concerned, but you knew it was there because of the force. To me, that was amazing. I was thinking, wow, wind can get that strong. We could, uh, what, what, what do they call that storm that came in here last year? Duracial. Big old wall coming. Yeah. I remember that. I think it was from that direction. Let's yeah. see. Yeah, south. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember Sister Betty was talking about it. So there I was peeking out the front door looking. And sure enough, here it comes. Here it comes that wall. Here comes those clouds. Yeah. And all of a sudden, boom. Right. <laughs> blew out all the uh, thing in my yard around the house there. What do you call it? Mulch. Blew it all out. Where it went, I don't know. But blew all my mulch out. Just took it. But that was strong. So we understand the force of wind. We understand the force of wind. That's nature. But let me tell you something. What do you think about the spiritual part of it? What do you think about if that really exists in, in, in our realm in nature, don't you think it exists spiritually? And that's what happened to them. God does things in a way that he wants us to understand. He wants us, our, our human minds to be able to comprehend what's taking place. Whatever that experience is, he wants us to understand that's what's taking place spiritually. As a rushing mighty wind. Here it came in and here was that supernatural experience. Ooh, why is it people that say they know Jesus don't believe in that supernatural experience. My. You think you're out of your mind. You <laughs> think we're crazy because we, we want to get with it. Huh? We, we want to allow the Spirit of God to move and have liberty. Run, jump, shout, dance. Amen. Even roll. Amen. Huh? Amen. Praise God. Why? That's just the effect the Holy Ghost has on you. You just want to, hey. How many of you have ever gone outside in the wintertime and just got crazy? 
Huh? Why? Winter, snow, wind, huh? Just go out there and do some crazy stuff. Why? It's just, hey. That, that's the reaction that we should have in the Holy Ghost. Hey, let's get crazy. Yeah. We're having a major move here. Amen. The spiritual climate is changing. So we see that that was kind of the, the onset. If there was ever a how, how the Lord basically structured our, how would I say, established. It's something, here's the thing. How many of you get bored of sitting in a class? All these kids say, Amen. <laughs> Gabe didn't feel good the other day. He said, I'm going to go to school. I said, why? He said, because I don't feel good. I said, you know what? You know what's the problem? He said, what's that, Grandpa? I said, you're sick of school. That's why you don't want to, that's why you're saying you're sick. You're sick of school. But how many of you get bored with just, you know, yep. definitely get bored with your classes. Sitting there and the person's just talking. Oh, no, no. <laughs> huh? Yawn and, oh. supposed to be writing notes, but you're just, Doodling. Praise God. I see Sister Dina doing that all the time. <laughs> Not doodling. Take a note. You took that wrong. You yeah. took it wrong. Man. But everybody gets tired of it. I mean, yes, you can get bored at somebody just lecturing you. Yes. Right but now. you know that? Right. God doesn't just lecture us. Yeah. He demonstrates. That's There's always a demonstration. How many of you are looking for that demonstration? It comes with life. It's not just the how do you, the dead letter of the word. Huh? And that monotone voice. Hmm? That's why it's hard for me sometimes just to try to confine myself. Can't do that. Then you got people that aren't used to the way we are. It's, Make it look like that. We're not really that weird. <clears throat> As I have been accused of many times. Well, that guy really likes to holler in church. <laughs> when you get your point across to your kids, what do you like to do? Holler. That's why I used to tell my kids. I said, well, if you paid attention to me the first time, right. when I said, would you please do this? They didn't get you. Hey, you Sometimes God doesn't get our attention when, he, when people are just soft-spoken. I'm, now I'm waking you guys up. It's coming back to life here. Praise God. I'm just showing you why it is, why this is, why this is the way it is. It has nothing to do with me. Are you? But everything you do with God. Yes. Okay? So we experience this. I'm glad we're a New Testament church. Yes. I'm glad we're a New Testament church. Amen. A lot of people claim to be a New Testament church, but guess what? <clears throat> They're not. Because they have refused to obey God's word. Amen. That's right. Amen. 
You're not a New Testament church when you don't even believe what the apostles taught. When you don't obey. Hallelujah. Why is it so many people don't want to believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost? Why is it so many people don't want to believe in the necessity of Jesus' name water baptism for the remission of sins? Huh? Why is it people don't want to believe that? Guess what? It's in the Bible. It's what the apostles taught. It's what it's, it, the example that is in there is what they experienced. So I'm saying this. We all understand it because once we all obeyed, once we all obeyed, I never realized this, all, all this about the Word of God until after I was baptized with the Holy Ghost and Amen. filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' right. name. I was that. I was Amen. that. You Amen. could never understand it, but here I am because I've I've entered into the kingdom. Guess what? That's right. Voila! Here it is. Amen. That's right. Amen. Well, anyway, let's get back. I'm kind of getting off course here. Acts chapter eight. Look what happened to the. We, we know what happened in Judea, Jerusalem and Judea, and how the apostles went about. The Bible says, uh, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. <clears throat> and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and all had all things common. So in other words... Amen. There was obviously that experience and that witness of God and what he was doing. And of course, you know, Jews rejected it. And so uh, they had to go to the Gentiles, the Samaritans. The gospel went there. I was thinking about this and I was thinking about this and, and uh, you know what the scripture says about you know what happened as far as the persecution because of the persecution the gospel went out the early church was persecuted <clears throat> so that persecution led them to go out and they began to reach out to other areas because of the persecution. Something, isn't it? Amen. God has a way of using people, has a way of getting people to move, using certain situations and circumstance to witness the gospel. So it leads them to reaching out, and they, of course, you read that in, 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 uh, in the book of Acts about... Uh, you know about what happened. They were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria in verse number one, except the apostles. This is after the stoning of Stephen. And uh, so, because of this, Philip went to the city of Samaria and he started to preach. <clears throat> he started to preach Christ to them, and of course, many of them believed. And so, what happened? Wow. They received the gospel, so the apostles came down. And verse number 14, when they came down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet, 
he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were baptized in Jesus' name for their mission of sins. They didn't receive the Holy Ghost. Now this was something that <clears throat> had, to, had to be obeyed. And so uh, they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this, thy wickedness, and pray, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. So then answered Simon said, and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which he has spoken come upon me. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So here we see what had happened. They went to go preach the gospel. They were baptized, obviously, in the name of Jesus, because the Bible says in verse 16 that they were baptized in the, in the name of Jesus. They hadn't received the Holy Ghost. And so when the apostles came, they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. So how do they know they received the Holy Ghost? Well, obviously, they spoke in other tongues as that happened. And so we see this, and, and of course you see what happened right immediately after this, where Philip, Philip is translated from there, and uh, verse 26, and he was taken to where this particular eunuch was from Ethiopia, witnessed to him. The Lord brought him to his chariot. He witnessed to him as he was reading the, the book of uh, Isaiah so that he was witness to him about the scripture and basically <clears throat> brought out about Jesus. And verse 35, And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? So he was baptized. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, <coughs> Excuse me, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they both went both down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So we see this. That was what they did when they went out to reach. That was, amen, the basically the teaching of the early church and of course you see here uh, you know, we're not going to really touch on that now but in the conversion of Saul that's in the first part of chapter chapter 8 there and, and uh, what happened to him on his way to Damascus as he was going out and <clears throat> imprisoning all those that believed in Jesus and of course he had that experience on the road to Damascus and, and uh, look what it says here in 917 after 
after the Lord spoke to Paul, and here comes Ananias, and Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in a way as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and received sight forthwith, and rose, and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. So we see here, amen, that Saul was baptized, and Saul was filled with the Holy Ghost. Man. Then we go on to chapter 10. And you read that in verse number 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the, of the band called the Italian band. Okay? So who was Cornelius? <coughs> a Gentile. He was an Italian. But look what it says. He was a centurion. A centurion is a person who is in charge of a hundred people. So uh, and when you talk about the Italian band, he was in charge of 100 Italian or Roman soldiers. I don't know if he was a sergeant. I don't know if he was a lieutenant. I don't know if he was a captain. But he was one in authority. He was in charge of 100 people, a centurion. So he had 100 people under his, amen, his charge. Captain? Okay. So we see that. Here he was, verse number two, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms <clears throat> to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside, he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. <clears throat> so here we see Cornelius praying, and the Lord sends an angel to him. Wow. <laughs> what church are you a part of? Sends an angel to Cornelius. You know what? Didn't say, didn't tell Cornelius. Cornelius, go down to the First Baptist Church over here in Joppa. No. He said, Cornelius, go send men and find this man called Peter. Simon Peter. And he'll come and he'll tell you what you need to do. Hallelujah. You know what? Why is it people do not understand 
the importance of knowing what the message is. Modern day evangelism always seems to somehow the reaction to what God is doing in their lives and they experience salvation. So after they experience salvation, you know what they do? I'm called to preach. I go out and preach the gospel. <clears throat> so they go out and they preach. What do they preach? Huh? What do they preach? Here's the thing about this, the New Testament church and about the New Testament ministry. We don't work alone. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Why do I say that? Because obviously we have angels that work along with us. And so this was something the Lord said, hey, Cornelius is down there praying again. Go down there and tell him that he's got to go get a hold of Peter. Huh? So Peter can tell him how to be saved. Why is it? Because Peter knows how to be saved. He knows what it takes to be saved. And so he sends that angel. So the angel does it. And then Cornelius is there. Can you imagine what would that, what was that, how that was when there he was praying? All of a sudden, here comes this guy into his room. <laughs> Ooh. Cornelius, man, <laughs> we 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 talk about them. <laughs> And obviously they're all around us, but we don't see them. But they are here. Amen. And they're messengers, and they bear witness to the truth. They bear witness to, to God. And they bear witness to the people of God. So they work along with us. They're part of the gospel. They, they're, amen, they're instruments of righteousness for the gospel's sake. They, God uses them. God uses them. Amen. Think about that. Brother Hancock told me one time he was in revival. <clears throat> I can't remember where it was. He said, I was in revival and I was ministering the word of God and all of a sudden he said, it was just like I knew where I was as I was preaching and all of a sudden he said, I wasn't at that revival no more. He said, I was walking down a street on a sidewalk. And he said, and I noticed the buildings right away. He said, the architecture was different. The street lights were different. He said, they were very dim. And it was dark and it was rainy. And he said, it was foggy. He said, so I realized I wasn't where I was. I was in a different area. And all of a sudden, he said, there were these three people coming toward me. And he said, the Lord spoke to me and told me to testify to them. Now, can you imagine that? He said, I didn't even know where they were, what country I was in. 
He said, all I know was the Lord said, oh, told me to go testify, go tell him of me. So he said, amen. When we came to the point where we greet, we met each other, I began to talk to them. He said, they stood there and listened to me, and I told them about Jesus and told them about, amen, being born again, being baptized, being filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, you know what? They received my word <coughs> because they were they were curious about the Bible. And they received my word. And he said, so they said, we're going to do what you have told us to do. Thank you very much. And guess what? He said, I came to, I was laying on the platform. There were people over me praying for me because they thought I had a heart attack and died. And he said, all it was was the Lord translated me. And he said, I don't even know where I was. What country? He said, but I know this. It was a foreign country. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Why am I saying this? Obviously, the Lord will go out of his way to send somebody Amen. to tell you the truth. Amen. You ever think about that? Why did the Lord take Sister Betty and I all the way to Denver, Colorado? When we didn't even have it in our minds to even go to church down there. Why did the Lord bring Brother Gerritsen, the Dutchman, all the way to White River, South Dakota, to the Rosewood Sioux Reservation? So that those people could hear the gospel. Why? Woo! <laughs> Amen. That's what's amazing about this. That's what's amazing about this, this church. That's what's amazing about it. It's, it's who we are and what God has called us to. So we see that. We see that what happened here. Verse number 44 of that chapter, it says, uh, it says um, in chapter 10, well, Chapter 10, yeah. <clears throat> in verse number 44, it says, Of course, Peter has this vision. You see there, let's go back up a little bit. Peter has this vision. And and, and you see that in verse number uh, 9, it says, On the morrow, as they went on the journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went out, went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. <clears throat> and he became very hungry and would have eaten, but... While they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending upon him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let it down to the earth. Wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and all wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. There came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And a voice Spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in his mind what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house, and stood before the gate, and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there, <coughs> whose while Peter thought on the vision, 
the spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them. Down in nothing, for I have sent them. So we see this. Now here, here's something amazing. When, when you read this story, when you read this account, here comes these messengers from Cornelius to go basically get Peter. Now why is it people that he don't know, people he has never met before, inquiring of him and saying, hey, where's Peter? How do you know Peter? Well, we don't. <laughs> That's what's amazing, isn't it? We're looking for Simon Peter. Is he here? Yes, he is. I don't know the exact dialogue of the conversation, but well, how do you know Peter? Oh, angels spoke to our to our uh, to Cornelius and told us to come and come after Peter. That's how we know Peter. <laughs> Think about that. Something amazing. So obviously Peter obeyed and he went and you read in verse number 44. <clears throat> While Peter spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Now here's something amazing about this. When we preach the word, when we preach the word, when we preach the gospel, every time we come in here, every time we come in here to the, to the house of God and, and we preach, do you believe that the Holy Ghost falls upon us? I believe it does. Every time we come in here. Every time we preach the word of God, the Holy Ghost will always fall upon us. And uh, we're going to experience that. And so, here it was, the Holy Ghost fell upon them, <clears throat> which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as as many as 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 many as came with Peter that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. So here are these people that were there. You know, God is really good, isn't he? Yeah. Look at pay attention to what he's saying. Uh, <clears throat> and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. They of the circumcision Jews that believed in the Old Testament circumcision. Here they were. Guess what? Why is it all of a sudden they're here with Gentiles? People they have never even congregated with before. And here they were. And here's Peter started preaching to them the gospel. Obviously, he preached to them Acts 2.38. Huh? He preached and the Holy Ghost fell. That's what it says. Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. So they of the circumcision 
which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter. You notice, you notice, look what it says. <clears throat> they were astonished. Wow. Check it out, they're probably saying. <laughs> because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost was poured out. How did they know? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So here was the same demonstration given the same signs the same wonders wow same confirmation of God's word upon the Gentiles just think about that that should somehow boost our faith when we preach the gospel and understand this you know we're not we don't give off the Holy Ghost we can't impart the Holy Ghost to any person. But as long as we do what God called us to do, as long as we're witnesses and we testify, we preach and we teach, guess what's going to happen? The Lord's going to confirm the word that you teach and that you preach. He's going to confirm it, but he's going to confirm it with signs and wonders. Amen. That's what we need to understand and realize that every time that happens, guess what? The Holy Ghost is going to be poured out upon us. Why? Amen. Because that's the New Testament church. Amen. That's right. New Testament church. Man. Well, there was a group of them right there. Italians and had a Holy Ghost Amen experience speaking in tongues. Praise God. You go over there into the book of Acts 16. <clears throat> you look and you see in 16 in verse number. Now, we Philip preached to the Samaritans, and now Peter preached to the Gentiles, to the Romans, and now here's Paul preaching to the to the Gentiles, to the Greeks. And you see that and he's out to, of course, you see where it talks about it uh, in verse number nine, and the vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Man. You know, God will always bear witness to what we, are, we should be doing. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to <clears throat> Samothracia, Samothracia, and the next day to... Neapolis, from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony 
and we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the woman, women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a sour purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Look what it says. She attended unto the things that were spoken of Paul. So what do you think that means? Obviously, if the Lord, if Paul was preaching death, burial, and resurrection, she did, she obeyed what he was, amen, preaching to them about. So you, you see, and in verse number 15, and when she was baptized, obviously, and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, <clears throat> come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So obviously she was baptized. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, <clears throat> which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul being grieved turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out of her the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Man, being whipped for the gospel. Can you imagine? <laughs> suffering. Suffering. Amen. Stripes. But the Bible says, Who had received such a charge, thrust him into the inner ward, inner prison, and made their feet fast in the stocks. So there they were, they were put in prison, put in jail. For the gospel. Wow. For preaching the gospel. <clears throat> there they were just so downcast. <laughs> no, they weren't. <laughs> and they were sitting in jail, ended up in jail, obviously. What are we doing in here? Paul says, hey, I know what. Let's have a jail service. Amen. Amen. <laughs> At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loose. Man, can you imagine that? And the keeper of the prison, awakened out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had fled. 
<clears throat> but Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Now there, hey, there's, there, there it is. There's a statement. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. But what does it mean, believing on him? And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. <clears throat> and he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized he in all his straightway. So obviously, they told him that, hey, you know what? You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And so, and when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrate sent to the sergeant, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. Wow. So obviously, there they were preaching. Preaching. What it was to believe on the Lord Jesus. Water baptism. Water baptism. So you go over to the book of... Uh, Acts 19, and here's another example. And uh, <coughs> you go back up to verse number, uh, uh, chapter number 18 and verse number 24, and a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla had heard them, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So what do you think that means? They taught him. In other words, the Bible says he was baptized in John's baptism, the baptism of repentance. So they probably said, hey, you know what, Apollos? Jesus said, or John said, amen, that there's one who's coming, is after me, who is mightier than me. And he said, he said that he was going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and the fire. And so they obviously showed him New Testament salvation, repentance in Jesus' name, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. As the Bible says, they expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting of the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, <clears throat> helped him much with, which had believed through grace. He mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. And it came to pass that while Paulus was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, 
and said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, Truly John, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were all, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Wow. So here we see another example. They spake with tongues and they prophesied. So it does really, according to God's word, it really does make a difference how you believe Amen. and what you believe. Amen. And here they were, they said, we, we believe in John's baptism. We were baptized for the baptism remission. And Paul said, hey, John said to believe on him that was coming after him, Jesus. So here it was, and then they were rebaptized, and they all received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We'll stop here. <clears throat> Thank you very much for being so attentive. This morning we'll be reconvening at 2 o'clock. <clears throat>